Okay, guys. Okay, guys. Okay, guys. We are rolling into another episode of The Candace Owens Show. And we are rolling into another Candace Owens show today without Candace. As many of you know, Candace and George just got married last weekend, and we decided it might be a good idea to give them the weekend off. So many of you have been asking for the best of episodes uh, from the last six months of the Candace Owens show, and we compiled together our favorite minutes for you to watch this weekend. We hope you enjoy it and stay tuned because next weekend we have a great episode coming up. I went to Chicago actually when this whole conversation was happening and I met with the police precinct that actually is in the most dangerous part of Chicago, which I believe is District 11. And uh, everyone, all the police officers were black. And I was wondering, how does this conversation impact black police officers when you just say that police officers are targeting black Americans. So what was that like for you? You said it made it more dangerous. What do you mean by that? Well, because when you wear the badge and the uniform, it doesn't matter what color you are. They project that you are um, alike or similar or you're in the same realm as every police officer in the country. So African-American people, Latino people, minorities used to target me and say, I'm a sellout and I'm a part of this genocide against minorities. So Genocide, that is a strong uh, yeah, word. Yeah, it is. It is. They, which is ridiculous because if you look at the stats, obviously we're not out just murdering people for no reason and, and doing things that a lot of people on the left, I think, try to project for political gain, in my opinion. But for me, it was interesting to see that even though I was black, people would still come against me as if I'm a traitor or I'm working for the other side, per se. Okay. So you would, you would stop someone and, and they would feel... Yeah, they, they would literally tell me. I had a, a kid, which was the stupidest thing ever. He was in a like an old school Monte Carlo, tinted out windows. <laughs> and his registration or something was expired. I ran his plate. I didn't know who he was. Right. The tent was illegal anyway. I couldn't even see in the car. I pulled a guy over and he rolls the window down. He looks Hispanic and he said, you pulled me over because I'm black. <laughs> I said, I said, bro, quit being stupid. You know, I told him that right, as a right, police officer. I right. said, man, quit being stupid. I'm black. What are you talking about? And then you look Mexican. So how are you trying to promote that? Like somehow I'm supposed to know that you're black with tinted windows that's illegal. And I end up, to be honest, I end up writing a warning, a warning for it. And because I want to prove the point, like even though you are being belligerent and outrageous, I'm going to correct you, but then I'll give you a warning. You know what I'm saying? So you, could, so you know that I'm a normal person and a human too. And hopefully that person learns the next time they get pulled over. But that was residual. That continued to happen. Um, the same type of uh, mannerisms from the black community. When uh, I remember when the WNBA started, there was this woman, Cynthia Cooper, who played on the uh, Houston, I think they were the Houston Comets, and she was awesome. She was awesome. But I remember thinking she would be a scrub in the NBA. You know what I mean? Right. She, because she was still small. Women generally are smaller. Mm -hmm. She wasn't really that fast compared to the way a fast man is. These are, these are just biological realities. And they don't want us to be able to talk about biological realities. I, I don't like seeing those pictures. When I see a trans athlete, so a, a male to female trans athlete choking a woman, and then I see the, the women on the left and the, the women's march and, and that right. crew, the, the feminists defending that, right. because they've created this intersectional pyramid where now trans is sort of above female and Islam is above that and this is above that and this is above that. And these are all competing interests. Right. You cannot group people together by your perceived oppressions, which by the way, they're perceived oppressions. They're not real oppressions. No, of course. If you live in the United States of America in 2019, you are not oppressed. <laughs> you have every, op this is the greatest. Spoiled rotten. You are spoiled freaking rotten. And you know how you know you're spoiled rotten? Because you don't go anywhere. Right. None of these people go anywhere. That's Lena Dunham is still country. here. Right. Leave. I'm going to Canada, go. Lena yeah. Dunham. No, 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 no. Okay. America's great. It, of course, yeah. by the way, did you read, you need to read this. Uh -oh. uh, so Lena Dunham just did an essay, an open essay in, I want to say it might have been Vogue.com, don't quote me, but she, she was talking about her sex life. She's always talking about her sex no, life. Oof. I know, and it's not fun for us, but I had to read it because- I actually just got gayer. Talk about- <laughs> <laughs> It's time we started being sensitive. It's time we started being no. offended. It's time that we started being How much mad more offended and can we taking get? control you got Floyd Mayweather, of our destiny. You got Floyd Mayweather who, who, who is being under fire destiny. because he's wearing Gucci right now. How yeah. much more offended can we get? How much more? Really? You know what? We need to be more offended. That's what you think the solution is? We Sambo, need to be more offended. Sambo, we need to be upset about Gucci. We got Sambo, blackface doesn't bother you. Wait, excuse me? It doesn't bother you. Blackface. Sambo? 
Sambo, like Sambo. You don't know what a Sambo is? I'm gonna I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I think if a, if a, a little kid wants to dress up like Jasmine and she and because she idolizes her, or wants to be Rihanna because she idolizes her, we need to stop teaching kids to to be offense to be offensive. I didn't know, and this is a true story. I don't know why this is either because my my parents are you know they're on the left and they're they're pretty. Uh, they get offended easily. I didn't know what blackface was in my household, and I grew up with my grandpa too. Grew up mm. in San Diego. They never talked about blackface for whatever reason. And the first time I learned about blackface, it was this kid, Eric Schneider, a white kid with bright, bright blue eyes and like unbelievably like ice blue eyes. And for Halloween, he thought it would be really funny if he painted himself from head to toe black. And um, nicest kid ever. Like, I mean, they couldn't harm a fly. And he thought it would be funny because he'd walk through the hallways and just his eyes would show. So he wasn't even going as a costume of a black person, nothing. So he goes through the hallways and everyone's like, oh my God, everybody in the school, Eric, coming up to Eric, you had the greatest costume, it's so scary, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden we find out third period that Eric Schneider, who couldn't harm a fly, got sent home. And nobody knew why, right? And the teachers and explained to us in school what blackface was. So we actually are learning stuff that we've gotten over already, like right? So that wasn't in my conscious as a child, right? And I learned it, that I should be offended, teaching people that they should be offended. White guilt, phenomenon. I genuinely don't understand that they hate being white or do they just feel so good when they yell at other white people for blacks and Hispanics? Well, and it just shows you the, the zero tolerance for, for anti-black racism. Uh, against white people. Uh, there's a writer named John O'Sullivan, who's a longtime editor for the National Review. And he said, white racism exists, but its social power is weak. The social power against it, overwhelming. And um, that's what I see. Uh, white people feel guilty about slavery. They feel guilty about Jim Crow. Uh, they really want black people to do well. But a, a lot of black people don't perceive that. They, right. they think they're, they're, that they're out to get them. Uh, LeBron James once said, before he went to St. Vincent's, uh, St. Mary's, his, the high school where he um, uh, where he went for a while, it's Catholic school, the first time he ever been around white people. He said, I thought white people hated us. I thought they were all against us. And so I had the same attitude against them. He said that? Yeah. Until until he uh, went, to, went to Catholic school and realized there were good white people. But he assumed because he had never been around white people, everything he read about white people was that they were out to uh, oppress black people, suppress yeah. our rights. And he said, I was shocked when I found it wasn't true. And he still kind of bears that a little bit. He, he The residual effects he's got, of that. He's got a lot of victocrat in him. He still. does a yeah. lot, right? And, it, and it's sad because, and I look, I've been actually very nice to him because I think that he, uh, in other in other ways, he he's really good for the black community, right? Married his high school sweetheart. Right. He's an amazing father. And right. that stuff to me is the most important. He's most important. In terms of leading by example. I think he really is, but this is a man that is so politically ignorant. I mean, he he knows absolutely nothing about politics, and mm -hmm. yet he he tries to tell us how we should vote or how we should feel. And remember when they came after Trump for saying that LeBron James was stupid? Anybody else watch interview? Interview? Yeah. Of those two, it, it's hard to make Don Lemon look look smart, right? It is hard to make Don Lemon look smart. LeBron James did. You, you said Le that I did. Uh, okay, it is hard. And, and here's here's the thing. Well, if your consensus is that America is racist, xenophobic, homophobic, and we need to undo everything that we've done in America, I don't think you should be at the forefront of it. I don't think that that's Islamophobic. I don't think that that's anything but common sense. I'll tell you something. When I first heard that two Muslim women were running for Congress, Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, I was so happy. Honestly, I was so happy. I said, now we will have Muslim women who, who are going to, you know, be professional and spread peace and show Americans that there's more than just 9-11 to Islam. There's more than just care uh, and more than Qatar. We are going to bridge between Americans and the Muslim people. Because that's what any sensible Muslim would do. The first thing is you come in with your headscarf and you want to show the world who you are, especially the U.S. Congress. You're the focus of the global media. And then I'm like, oh, my God. She sent it back. I wanted her. Well, I thought that she was going to be different from the extremists. She's exactly like them with lipstick. <laughs> That's what I call her, ISIS with lipstick. Wow. Same ideology with lipstick. Right. <laughs> yeah, same. Literally. If, in her head, same thing. The U.S. forces that went to Somalia, they're the terrorists. Right? Not the ones they fought. No, they are the terrorists. Uh, everything to do with America. When she's speaking about Al-Qaeda, she's pissed off and angry at the university lecturer who she says she took... Uh, terrorism classes, she probably means anti-terrorism classes. Uh, her lecturer, when he mentions Al-Qaeda, he mentioned it in a very uh, negative tone. Al-Qaeda, 
right? Hezbollah. And she was upset that he never mentioned America with the same attitude, you know, America. As though America is the real Satan. Right. You know, and, and this is the problem with Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar is, well, not just Ilhan, all of the Islamists, they are using democracy, but they don't believe in democracy. Of course they don't. Of course they, they don't, don't believe in democracy. Even the reformists. The reformists who tell you we are we don't like ISIS because we believe in democracy. That is a delusion. It's it's not right. Right. Because a Muslim has to believe in what the Quran says. And the Quran says you have to rule and judge only by the word of God. There's no separation of mosque and state in Islam. I mean, that, that's really what, that's the direction we're treading in right now in, in Western civilization, and it is nuts. Yeah, well, the normal healthy family unit is certainly not, if it's not demonized, it's certainly not as celebrated and promoted it's as demonized. it should. Yeah, well, it's yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, the I, nuclear it's, family is fully yeah. demonized right now. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you, but I'm trying to be a little... <laughs> broad, <laughs> mince, yeah. broad strokes mince, and all mince, that. Mince my words slightly. Don't worry, I got your stroke Yeah, don't right worry, here. don't worry. We, we got the two different <laughs> approaches here, it's good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and I think... Even people who are more, what, one interesting thing I'm finding, both online and offline, you know, I know a lot of people who are atheists or secular or whatever. I'm having a lot of conversations and even seeing on YouTube and whatever, a lot of people who previously were quite staunch atheists, even if it's, even if they're not becoming believers or turning to God or anything, I'm finding that a lot of them are starting to understand the sort of power and importance of religion, even if they themselves don't believe, they're starting to be like, hmm, as some of the things are starting to fray around the edges and morality is starting to become a lot more subjective and reality itself is starting to become a lot more subjective and people are just kind of creating their own individual worlds and trying to force other people to accept them. I'm finding that I'm having conversations with people who are like, yeah, I can, I can understand the value of this thing. Like, I don't necessarily believe it, but I can see how having that community and umbrella for people to fall under it gives you an answer to the you know the meaning of life and what what i find with a lot of um i do find with you know a lot of people who are atheists is that they spend a lot of time and mental energy almost looking for a replacement for god and that becomes government and that be can become that government. government that, that can become ideology radical feminism exactly. that becomes and i talk about that all the time yeah. all the time and 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 people that have religious ties and they're deeply religious um as a as a rule you know of mm. course there are exceptions tend to have just more structure and more order in their life your speech is the essence of your freedom your right. speech is your ability to think say be who you want to be i don't want to give the government any ground on that now but then if you don't give the government ground right on that and i'm listen i'm playing devil's advocate because i don't really know where i land if you don't if you don't give it to the government then you're giving uh the freedom to the corporations to ruin people and i mean to, to completely ruin people well, because some of these some of these publications have so much power that it instantly becomes a truth for people well i read it in the new york times right that's noble right. i read it in the new york times therefore it must be a truth well, but it can be completely fictitious and made up as we've learned with this presidency but the things can literally be made up out of thin air right and what about the little people who can't defend themselves against that who get deplatformed and don't have a job why should we allow publications to murder the careers well wait you're talking about you're you're putting together a bunch of different things here okay first of all you know the new york times can't just lie about anybody it can't just lie about an ordinary guy who's walking by there. there's the public idea figures. he's got to be a public figure right now a public figure can be a broad thing and even then if you can show that they have malice toward that figure or, or even towards his ideas you can sue i mean you can bring action against the new york times now i would prefer to live in a world where the New York Times can call Donald Trump a Russian spy, which they virtually have. have. And it's complete nonsense. <laughs> Welcome to the world. It's complete nonsense. And it's, but he's the president. He's got a lot of power. And I would like the press to have as much power as he, you know, in other words, I would like them to be able to say virtually anything about our politicians. Uh, and, and so you want to be careful when you start to say they can't do this and they can't do that. Um, when you start to talk about deplatforming, that's a totally different thing because then you're talking about the power of a corporation to limit free speech. And I hear a lot of right-wingers say, well, it's a private corporation. They can do anything they want. I don't agree with that. I think if you are a platform as opposed to a publisher, right? If I'm a publisher, 
And I, I can say I'm not going to publish Candace because I don't agree with her. I can say that. But if I'm a platform, I got to publish everybody. The phone company has to let everybody use the phone, right? They can't say, oh, you and I are talking. We're taking you off the phone because we don't like what you're saying. Not Facebook should not be allowed to do that either. Google should not be allowed to do that. Twitter should not be so allowed. I think They've got this idea that's been pumped into their heads. Much of it, I have to say, through the, through the college and university system, where we have very similar problems on both sides of the pond with this. Right. But here's the theory. The theory is that the nation state existing leads to nationalism. Nationalism directly leads to extremism, directly leads to Nazism, directly leads to the Holocaust and catastrophe. And therefore, what we have to do is to abolish the nation state and abolish nationalism. That's the theory. That's the lie. That's the theory upon which the whole of the European Union actually is predicated and their desire for that to become a bigger thing on the global stage. But they get something wrong. Provided the nation state is a functioning democracy, it doesn't go to war. And, and I've, I've tried this around all the left-wing universities in the UK and a few in America. When we talk about nationalism and what it means, I always say this to them. You give me an example. You give me one example of two mature democracies, mature functioning democracies going to war with each other. There aren't any. So provided, so what we should be, what we should be pushing is not abolishing nation states and handing power up to global bureaucracies. What we need to champion around the world is the concept of democracy. And where you've got democracy, you will have peace. And generally, where you've got democracy, you will also have greater prosperity and greater living standards. And that's the bit they missed. That's the part of the theory that is wrong. The lie, as you call it. My father's parents were very poor. And they never went to government assistance because in Jewish life, there was a word in Yiddish, the Jewish German language, mm -hmm. called Shanda. Shanda meant embarrassment. Shame. Shame. Shanda. Yes. It's a Shanda to take money from non-Jews. That was the theory. Wow. We will only allow our community to support our community. To go outside of the community is, shows a failure of the community to take care of its own. There are wonderful, I always tell my, all of my uh, relatives virtually, all my, are all Jewish, obviously my relatives, and they're all liberal, nearly all liberal. Uh, and I say, why don't you just preach what you practice? Not practice, Not what, practice you what you preach, preach, but preach what, what you what practice. You practice. That is amazing. I love that. I yes. love that. So you're right in that regard. But I, what I said with macro, you don't want to learn from the Jewish community about politics, right? Of, 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 about about uh, how society should be run. Jews have bought into leftism and liberalism, and it's so painful to me as a Jew. Strange. I, it, uh, it, well, uh, look, their whole. I, I have. A, I have a a whole set of reasons why it has happened. Jews identify right with Hitler, therefore left must be good because it's the opposite of Hitler. That's wrong it is, he was a leftist. It's not just wrong. <laughs> it is simplistic beyond the word. It, it gives simplistic a new meaning. It's so stupid. It's like saying, this is my analogy, and it, it's a current issue of the, of, uh, the big Israeli uh, uh, magazine, the Jerusalem Report. and I, You'll love it. I, I, the title of the piece of the, my piece is, uh, what did Jews learn from the Holocaust? Question mark. Nothing. Oh my goodness. And and uh, it, it is it is. I mean, I give this example. So let's say your father was crossing the street and hit by a hit and run driver coming from the right. So you learn whenever I cross the street, I will always look to the right. That's pretty stupid. But right. That's what Jews have learned. We'll only look to the right for people who will run us over. Right. Right. But the people running us over today are all from the left. Going what I'm going through right now, which I, I told you I was going to be a, a part of a panel of LGBT conservatives, um, just talking about how we came to be LGBT conservatives. We're going to do it at the LGBT Center of New York City. And now there was an uproar, a, a whole uproar on the Internet. People, I think this actress from Grey's Anatomy tweeted about it and people were complaining. They were like, well, you can't be at the center as an LGBT conservative because this is our safe space. But you're telling me that as a black gay man, just because I'm a conservative, that I'm some threat to other LGBT people when I speak my mind at the LGBT center, right. which is 
crazy to me. Supposed and to, that's been, supposed to be a safe haven for all lesbians, all gays, yes, all trans people. Yes. But you have an ideological difference. Yes. And what is that ideological difference? Yes. That you can be a victor. Yes. Right? That you don't have to be a victim yes. all the time. That you that you can be in control of your own destiny. And instantly, now you're discriminated against. Now I'm discriminated. And, and that is what I'm trying to tell the younger LGBT generation so much. Is that don't suck down the victimhood that these people are trying to give you. Because they only want to control you. They only want to feed you misinformation so that you can continue to vote Democrat. And right now, like... Some of our legacy media, like some of our uh, Out Magazine and The Advocate and all these places, these these are not outlets for our community. They are media arms of the Democratic Party. I've seen how they twist and smear and misreport. Out Magazine did a piece on this event about this controversy, did not contact me for a single quote. It was completely one-sided. The media is owned by the left. Yeah, it's owned by the left. It's fake news. Um, And so I see that. And I'm telling... And and I saw how they jumped on Jesse Smollett and how they completely misreported that story from the beginning. Because they wanted it to be true because it fit into their narrative. It allows them to gain power. It allows them to look like they're the good guys. But in the same way that I say that all of these black interest groups like the NAACP and these black leaders like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson don't legitimately care about black people at all, but they've made their money. Like Mm -hmm. you were saying earlier, they've made their money. So they have to make sure that the victim narrative stays alive. They don't ever want to get to a place where blacks and whites are getting along. In fact, they will make sure that we are never in a space in this country where blacks and whites are getting along. Similarly, the people that have made their money off of real issues. Mm. When she has a child, she's going to allow the child to pick their gender, right? So she's almost saying, I don't have a son. I don't know what I have yet, but I'm going to find out. And then it almost becomes cool. And then the children start seeing it on the screens. The parents start thinking, this makes me a virtuous parent somehow. And I can now talk about how I let my children choose their gender. What is the impact that that has on your child? That's exactly right. I mean, imagine you had anorexic girls and they came to you, a parent, or they came to their teacher and they said, um, I really feel fat. Call me fatty. And the, and the legislator said, all right, you have a right to be called fatty by everyone. In fact, you have a right to demand liposuction. And, and that is not how we treated anorexia because we recognized it as a disorder and something to, 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 to deal with, something to give therapy to help someone get comfortable in their body and get comfortable with, with actually how they were. And, and in many cases, they weren't fat. They just had this dysmorphia. I had anorexia for five years. I didn't know that. Yeah, I had anorexia for five years. So this is definitely hitting home in terms of I acknowledge that this was something that wasn't right, right? There's something wrong with me, not wrong with society. I was viewing myself not as somebody that was fat. It was actually for me a control mechanism. But, you know, I did not expect the world to then around me get into line and see the world through, through you know, my eyes because my eyes were disrupted. I wasn't seeing things for what they are. And people don't cater to anorexics in the same way that we don't have people catering to people that have schizophrenia. Of course, we acknowledge that there are people that are schizophrenic. But imagine a world where society had to bend to what that schizophrenic was seeing or hearing. It's a, it's a huge problem because these girls are getting, it's lifetime hormone dependency. People don't realize that. They're setting children up. If they affirm this identity, and instead of trying trying to help the child get comfortable in their gender identity, they're sending them up for lifetime dependency of hormones. Lifetime. They never get to go off them. And massive doses. We have no idea what the long-term effects are. Massive surgeries that have major complications. I have talked to, um, at this point, I've talked to dozens and dozens and dozens of parents and experts because I'm writing a book on the topic. Um, and I can tell you that the surgeries lead to all kinds of complications. We've seen that with Jazz Jennings. This is really radical and experimental surgeries. This is not setting them up for a good life. It's very sad when you think about it, it because that was, I think, a perfect example of how victimhood is celebrated here. It is. And that's a big, big problem. Is is and that's what's you know, what's going on at the um and I see what is there, 22 de- candidates now in the, in the Democratic 22. field? I'm like, I'm trying to think, okay, how do you I'm interested to see the debates or the upcoming debates when they happen, because how are they distinguishing themselves? Everyone's sort of saying the same thing and America like, sucks. Everybody's racist. Everybody's sexist. Right, Vote for me. Right. And they're trying to out radicalize the other. Yeah. And people in prison should vote. And they should be whoa. 16 years old. And like, whoa, 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 whoa wait, time Three out. year olds should vote. They can pick their gender. Why can't they pick yeah, their president? So whether how you feel or whatever the party, I mean, let, can we all agree if you lose your right to society, you shouldn't have the right to vote? And I know. Tell, you know, I know. I mean, that I, is radical. I mean, that is that's actually radical. radical. Or lowering it to 16, you barely can drive. 
Or maybe, and then, but well, you there's want a reason people- for that because uh, you listen. My thought anything, on that, I think that, they should be older. <laughs> I think they should be older, and I agree with you on that. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I think that it should be older because I just think of how politically ignorant I was. Because the thing is, is that until you start paying bills. Right. And right. still, you're actually a functioning member of society. Your viewpoint on how society should be is utopian. It's a utopian concept of like, if you're ask a three year old, hey, do you think everything should be free? You should have to pay. Three year old's going to say that we should have everything should be free. Right. And and that's really what they're selling. But you can't sell that to an adult. Adults going to have some questions like, wait a minute. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. how, how can everything be free? But a 16 year old who doesn't really have a concept of how life works and they kind of swipe their mom's credit card, it becomes easier to sell these concepts. The reality is traditional morality isn't just traditional, it's natural. It's how we're built. It's how we're made. It's psychologically our desire for commitment and love, our desire for someone who's not going to just walk out the next day. That's built into us. And as women, it's built into our bodies because we can have bring life into the world. That takes nine months. And then you've got a child, and that's 18 years. Right. So sex is a big deal, and it should be. But the sexual revolution upended that and said it's not a big deal. It's just a thing you do whenever you want with whomever. It doesn't matter. It's just some pleasure for a moment. And it's a totally up to you. You make the rules. Right. There's no morality around sex except, you know, don't rape maybe. <laughs> maybe that's – and even that, we have a huge crisis with that today, right? But there's no morality around it. It's there really isn't. what you want it to be. And that sexual revolution agenda, which hijacked the feminist movement. So then they're like, well, now if you're feminist, you're going to be pro-sex without any rules, without any responsibility. And who liked that? Crazy men like Hugh Hefner – that playboy who wanted to sexualize women and sell object money unhappy. off of objectifying them and doesn't make them happy. He died unhappy. And I talk about this all the time. I say to people, if you think that you are a modern feminist, like I refer, mm. I call that ra- radicalized feminism. I, we it's should false. stop calling it's it fake. feminism it's altogether. Not even it's feminism. not because yeah. they see yeah. how they treat people yeah. like you and I, right? Yeah. Who are talking about lie. real issues. But I always say to and people, and they won't talk about this, by the way. Oh no, they won't. And yeah. they would never welcome. They us pretend in women the walk away from a. Walk away from a one night stand and they're fine. There's no, no there's not. no baggage. Shame. There's no issue. There's shame. Yeah. And 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 they don't feel happy about yeah. it. And I have girlfriends that make a living out of writing writing about their sexual deeds with men. Mm. And I I genuinely feel so sad for them. Mm. I feel so sad for them because I say it's not what you want and it's not what men want. Yeah. And yet you've convinced you've let a society convince right. you that this is normal right. to pen all of your bad dates, all of your bad sexual experiences because you probably watched an episode of Carrie Bradshaw mm-hmm. and Sex in the City too young. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be like Carrie Bradshaw. Like <laughs> I, I did. The first thing I ever want to do is to be a journalist. Mm-hmm. And we have this this culture that says, yes, yes, more of this. Instagram gives even more birth to right. this. Social media, where I always say, like, if you want to get a, a million followers on Instagram, take your top off. Do yeah. do something and say, yep. I'm empowered. But so a lot of this women don't know what they're looking for anymore. I think a really good question to ask you is what do men want in this day and age, right? Because How blue can I go? I mean, right. is this a family no, no, program? No, you just, just <laughs> answer the question because I got all of these more liberal girlfriends who are on these dating apps and they're swiping right. And desperately, by the way, these are these are the girls that would call themselves feminists. Mm-hmm. All they want is a husband, right? What, what is what is the purpose of all of these girls being on in dating apps? They're not going to sleep with men. They're hoping that he's the one, right? That he's the one, he's the one. They're swiping. Right right um and the question now is that especially with feminism it makes it hard for men and women to just have a conversation about what it is they're actually looking for women are not looking for for more f- sexual freedom that's a myth i can tell you that the right. scam of that the, the girls that are get to 26 and don't have a partner are freaking out it's they're- the greatest scam that men ever played on women we convinced them that giving men free cheap easy sex with no accountability <laughs> at all was somehow empowering and i don't know how we did it <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Fellas, you must be sorcerers to em, do this. Emma, what is her name? Emily Rotajowski is like, I'm <laughs> right. No. I'm going to to uh, protest men by taking my top off. Oh, she really showed us. <laughs> Please stop, beautiful model. Please stop posting those nude photos on the internet. Oh no, I can't take it anymore. To pretend that women are like we're all these victims walking around and we have no idea what we're doing and we just were there at three a.m. in the hotel room. I can't stand it. It's so dishonest it's and so dishonest. and the it's disempowering of women and it makes our view of the world just like they want us to be the, those veals. They want us to be human veal, and they have reduced our view to a tiny mi- microcosm of the world. And the world is ours. Right. I know. I, I'm. If I could pick every single day, which on the left you can't, you just pick your gender every day. But if I, I would choose every single day to be a woman. Again, okay, I mean, like Me I do too. not want to be a man. The men are out there fighting the wars. They're the ones falling off of roofs and, and dying. And uh, nobody, let me. There's like a, a meme on the internet that says nobody calls a feminist when there's an emergency. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's true, you know. Yeah. 
um, and and seeing this this anti masculinity is bad. No, masculinity is great. I love masculinity. I do too. I need a shirt that just says I love masculinity. It's great. I, I love men. I, I I got a bunch of them in my family, you know that I I gave birth to, <laughs> on top of being with. But um, no, I love men who love women. Right. Right. And a lot of men don't. A lot of women don't like women either. There's some truth. Right. There, and there is some truth. But unfortunately, when you when you are starting to conflate masculinity with rape, which is what's happening yeah. now. Like, if you're masculine, then you're a predator. No. Masculinity is, is the opposite of femininity. And I like being feminine and men should like being masculine. masculine and it's symbiotic and it's beautiful. And it's now being corrupted yeah. by this whole myth of, like, the white privileged male predator um, who's masculine. It's a, it's a horrible time to be a white male. This was totally obscured. Right. So it's no longer just about listening to survivors' stories and taking courage from their stories and saying, okay, yeah, I'm going to stand up too. I'm going to say something about what happened to me too. I'm going to put those guys on notice. It became all men, toxic masculinity, especially if you're a white male in a position of power like Kavanaugh, then we're not going to believe you at all. So you just lost all logic all credibility. And I think you're right. That's probably where it was going from the very beginning. It's unfortunate how many casualties we've seen through it. I do think that there were some positive stories that came out of it and some good that came out of it. I wish it could have come out uh, a different way than this uh, feminist tornado that we've seen. Yeah, I'm not sure I followed any of the positive stories. And maybe that's why, because I was just so in the trenches. But what what particularly bothered me was the conflation of terms, right? So it's like, people don't know the difference now between rape Right, sexual assault, yeah. and a bad date, yeah. like a bad date, like literally, yeah. like a, like a bad date where you should be like, you know what, that was kind of an awkward right. dinner, a weird thing at the end. I'm right. gonna leave, and that was what was bothering me is that I actually felt bad, and this is totally bizarre, and I can't think of the university that the young student went to, but there was there was a, a young woman who went out, got completely plastered and drunk, and this yeah. is the removal of personal responsibility also bothers me, but we'll get into that in a second, and then. The next morning, she woke up in the dorm of, of some young man, and she said, like, she didn't remember what had happened, and so she went to the police immediately and said that she was sexually assaulted or raped. And it turns out they were able to look at all the tapes, and everything happened, and she was the aggressive one. She mm-hmm. took him back, um, and he was had already, had already dismissed him from school, right? And I don't, I don't know where it ended up now. He could be back in school. But what personally bothered me about it is I also felt bad for her. Yeah. They're now actively teaching women yeah that everything is rape right if yeah. you if you don't if you have a bad memory like when I was in college and people did that stuff it was like I got way too drunk last night and they would reflect and they would say I did something bad I don't want to get I don't want to drink right. to that point anymore and they right. would correct their behavior totally now for women it's we can't do anything wrong no matter yeah. what it's the fault of men you know our our video on social justice being cancer was one of the ones that was li- was listed as an example of bad behavior sharing my videos um on Facebook so like I've I've talked about um, bad you know, be- behavior, yeah, being shadow banned and stuff. And I think there's a lot of people on the left, or even some people on the right, maybe who think that's being paranoid. It's a conspiracy. No, this is just it's real fact. Yeah, right. they're they're trying to suppress conservative voices. And you know, I I love my free market, love my libertarian buddies. Um, but if you don't think that this is going to affect elections. You you really need to look more closely. Not at only is it going to affect elections, it's a direct response to an election that they right. think was out of their hands. That, that sh- they think never should have happened. Right. right? That, that should never should have happened. They're going to try their hardest to make sure it doesn't happen again. And you know, I think why the reason why I'm for small government is because I fear totalitarianism. I fear um, invasion of privacy. I fear being told what I can and cannot say. I feel I fear being deplatformed and depersoned. Um, that's all bad coming from government, but it's not any more acceptable when it comes to these social media giants who are, are run by like leftists in California. Like how is that any any better? So I think you know conservatives who think that social media censorship isn't a problem or they don't like it, but oh, what are we gonna do? Um, I think they need to wake up a little bit more and understand that this is a very, very real threat. How can conservatives win elections if we can't even talk about our ideas without being banned? I don't think when you ban Paul Joseph Watson, his 1.6 million followers go, okay, I guess I'm a liberal. (laughs) (laughs) Been watching him for five years, but you know what? I think he radicalized me. Woof, I actually am just a liberal. It it only makes them more encouraged to go out and vote, right? Right. I mean, that's what it does to me. Right. But it's it's absolutely incredible. Going back to the media lying about you, I mean, have you read your own Wikipedia page? I've read my own Wikipedia page. It's like horrific. It's so bad. It's like you wake up every morning and – I don't do it every day. I'm not an egomaniac. But you, you Google your own name in Google News to see what the latest hit piece is. 
and it's just the complete 180 of the person who you are. So I read my own Wikipedia page and it's like alt-right conspiracy theorists. I'm not alt-right. The, pr the premier premise of the alt-right is a, a white ethno state. I don't believe in that. I've never believed in that. So I'm not alt-right. The alt-right hates me. They attack me. I mean, Google my name and 4chan and see what the alt-right thinks about me and you as well. It's the same thing. But with the, with the Wikipedia thing, conspiracy theorists, okay? I hate conspiracy theories. I think most of them are really dumb. I, I, that's why because, I don't watch CNN because they are a conspiracy theorist network. Yeah, I mean, talk I, about conspiracy because theories. Because I was a conspiracy theorist when I was a kid, like 15 years ago. Yeah. That's where I came from. So I know how those ideas, you take disparate bits of information and fuse them together to create a conspiracy. That doesn't mean that there aren't some conspiracies, but I know how they're created and I know mentally how people are lulled into believing them. So now looking back, on what I did in the past, I know that most of them are dumb. So for that to still be my defining characteristic, yeah. a conspiracy theorist, even though I know I hate conspiracy theories, is incredible. It's like with you, with the with the uh, social, what was the uh, the social um, the social autopsy? Social oh my God, autopsy. that spun so crazy out funny, of control. The first time I came across you and your name was writing a hit piece about you. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. You did. You, you wrote me that, some about me. I think it's right. 20, you, you thought early I you thought I was right? a leftist. Yeah. And that was actually back when I was more. I was a liberal. Yeah. And what happened? But, the liberals. I, I saw what the liberals were firsthand. Yeah. That they were that they were sort of crazy, and it made me more conservative. But um, you, you believed things in the past, which you've changed your mind on, and you don't believe now. And that's fine. The left gets to do that all day well, long. The, the, the problem is we won. That's the problem. Won what? The game of empire. Okay. That was the problem. Okay. So in, in all of human history up until this point, all civilized history was um, one, one empire dominating another until various, you know, in this, until they get overthrown. In the, in the great sort of back and forth of human civilization and the flow of power among peoples. And for, I mean, for most of human history, the the conquering uh, force was an Asian man with brown skin. Uh, he came in with a, a sword and he cut off the heads of the people who opposed him. That was the 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 general. You know, if you're going to choose like an average conqueror throughout history, that's what it looked like. Um, but it, and it was only towards sort of the 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 end of the Middle Ages and onwards, where the Europeans actually started developing a technological edge on their international rivals. And so the Europeans ended up winning the game of empire. They ended up creating, I mean, it finished with essentially the British Empire being the last one standing and as the world hegemon until World War II. And now we assume that the Westerners, we, we assume that it was inevitable that that was the case, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't inevitable that was the case. And it was, it was a lot of blood, sweat and tears and intense competition between different peoples. Um, and so they, because we were the ones left holding the ball at the end, they're kind of assuming that, well, we were always destined to be left holding the ball at the end. Mm -hmm. It was never going to be the Turks or the Chinese or someone else. And it's like, well, I think that, again, is an innately superior, uh, innately um, supremacist narrative. Right. You know, the idea that it could only have been the white people. It's right. Like, well, no, we, it, was, it was always up in the air, you know. We didn't know how it was going to come down. And it, it wasn't due to a lack of respect for our enemies that this was done it was it was done because we respected the strength and capability and power of these other cultures that we had to fight so hard for ourselves and so essentially there's been a kind of hollowing out of the moral legitimacy of the west because we've looked around and said well i mean we're not going to say we're better than these people are we and it's like well no we just won <laughs> you know right. it's it's not that we're better than them it just happened to yeah, be the winner exactly right you know? And and it, all and it's sorts not on the basis of, of the color of your skin exactly, or the language no. that you speak. You just won. Exactly, and it, exactly, and it's a it's a very very complex confluence of circumstances that led to them losing and us winning. And for for millennia before, we were the ones who were losing. You know, we mm -hmm. you can, you can look at the the medieval expansion expansion of the Islamic empires and say, well, okay, you know, they're the superior race. If modern history had started there. They'd be left holding the ball, and they'd be the ones going, "Oh God, you know, are we are we actually surprised? I mean, they probably wouldn't care, actually. Right. But you know, like <laughs> they'd probably say, "Well, yes, that's true. Get used to it." Um, what is? Oh, okay. What is something you do not necessarily agree with, but respect about each other nonetheless? Ah. Well, the the big disagreement, as you know, that we've had in our relationship. Oh, we're doing this. 
Well, we can go there if you want, but okay. I think the big disagreement we've had is whether or not gorillas have souls, have eternal souls. Okay, and I think this is a this is. We I'm can glad. Open. I'm glad to invite the world in on this Yeah, we can, we can. open Clearly, this up. gorillas have souls. Okay, <laughs> just, no, I just clearly gorillas do not have. souls. He doesn't think gorillas have souls, and I'm just I'm pretty convinced that gorillas have souls. Yeah. I don't know. They look exactly like human beings. Like, if you see the videos online of them like scrolling through Facebook and Instagram now, it's like how can you look at that creature okay, well, I, and not recognize I, that the creature I, has a soul? Because I assess this from a theological basis, and I would say that. If you if you impart a soul onto a gorilla, you have to impart a soul onto all animals. And I would say that. So we're animals. We so you saying humans don't have souls? No, I say humans are different from the rest of the animals. But they're kingdom. not gorillas. Ah, but, okay. so not gorillas. So you see, in my in, in your world, I've defined it by an absolute. I say that humans have souls, animals don't. Right? And you can say you can say we are animals, but we are different from every other animal, which is true. We are because no other animal has created what humanity has created. But I would say that your 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 gorillas a chance. You're, <laughs> <laughs> Your definition is there's a gray area between the animal kingdom. So you, in the in the Venn diagram of of life, where humans are one circle and animals are the other circle, right? You've got this overlap where gorillas sit. And, well, yeah, but because Rob, Robin Williams was friends with gorillas, I watched all the specials, you told and when me they this. told the gorilla that yeah, uh, that, that he died, the gorilla cried. It's like, how can you say gorillas have a soul? We're gonna move on from it because it's a, it's 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 a contentious it's, issue. Everyone. I respect okay, I, your opinion, but I disagree. <laughs> It's a tragedy of biblical proportions what's happened in Central America. The, these migrants are coming up here. And now that, and we had experts say today, there's not a mile of the northern Mexico border, the southern border with the United States, that's not controlled by cartels. Okay, the cartels have turned this into high margin businesses, big cash flow businesses. In fact, drugs and opioids are not as high as the human trafficking. Not one person gets across there that is not the cartels don't approve. In fact, they had a presentation today say, if you go around the cartels, they will kill you. Some of these bodies you're finding of where this was the Border Patrol. Said we had uh, Brandon Judd and Chris Crane from ICE, Brandon Judd from the Border Patrol. They said, and Hector Garza from the uh, uh, Laredo sector, he said, if you try to avoid the cartels to get into the United States, they will kill you on the Mexican side. So you're saying the people that are coming over this border are cartel approved? Yes, the, cartel, the cartels are basically taking their money. Right. And that's how the cartels have a monopoly on it. Look, we've had people from Juarez come and thank us for building this wall. The purpose of this wall is to break the back of the cartels. There were 19 paths up there that the cartels were using in their business model. Right. And remember, the cartels are what have made every town in America is a border town. It's just not El Centro and Nogales and uh, in Yuma, in El Paso, in Laredo. It's the, we have uh, radio guys here from uh, from North Dakota. Right. Every town's a border town. In Chicago, a couple of years ago, for the first time since 1929, the Chicago Crime Commission came out with a public enemy number one. The public enemy was El Chapo because the the, the drug wars in Chicago, those territory wars, were being fought by proxies for the big cartels in Mexico. The cartels are paramilitary operations that have tremendously sophisticated marketing, sophisticated finance, sophisticated logistics and operations. Nobody comes from Central America through Mexico that is not paing money to the cartels. They are the government. The cartels are the government. They have taken over a lot, I think, in certain areas of this country. Uh, they've, they're operationalized as a government. What President Trump, I think, is adamant about about building this wall is you begin to break the backs of the cartels. And we've seen from people here in Juarez, remember, <clears throat> Juarez went from a great border town, the sister city of El Paso, uh, to a crime infested, I think it's the 37th uh, highest murder rate in the world, homicide rate. That wasn't like that years ago. It was when the cartels started to take over. To break the back of the cartels, you have to build a wall. I agree with you 100%. I think some people, particularly on the left, would do anything not to have Donald Trump have a victory. Now, so the and and correct me if I'm wrong. So that accident happened uh, because this criminal was driving on the wrong side of the road for like four miles, right? No, thirty-five miles. Thirty-five. The miles. wrong way. Transitioned onto four different freeways the wrong way. He was three times the legal limit, drunk, high on meth, and uh, Brandon was on an HLV uh, lane that went up and elevated and curved to transition onto another freeway and that's where he was hit. He didn't see this he didn't see it coming. Wow. That's unbelievable. The and the illegal was going over a hundred miles an hour when he slammed on high on meth and amphetamine. But the most gut wrenching moment and I and I've 
I've got a daughter. She's younger than Brandon. But the most gut-wrenching moment was when Jared came back home and my two older sons embraced in the kitchen and wouldn't let go of each other because, you know, they had lost a brother. This is what America doesn't understand, the emotional toll that it takes on a family. And, yes, he could have been killed by a drunk American driver. Absolutely. You know, I understand that. But he wasn't. This is a preventable death. And this man had already committed crimes in our country. And he didn't show up for his court date. And they apprehended him at the border coming back over one time and took him back up to Colorado to face the judge and to face his crimes. Excuse me. And the judge basically just gave him a slap on the wrist and, and let him back out into our communities. Right. And this is what Americans need to understand. The leniency that our judges and our courts, because they're of such, such a liberal mindset, that they think that these people just have a right to be here. They don't. Right. Um, How did you find out? The criminals don't. How did you find out who, uh, when, I, when he got involved in the accident, uh, the illegal alien, and I'm, I don't want to... Talk, give give him any. Oh, I don't I want don't to talk know. about his I name. Don't ever. Yeah. So the the illegal animal, the, the criminal. Um, how did you find out that he was an illegal alien? Was he in the hospital as well? He died in the accident. He died in the accident. Okay. So it was it was a um, you know two I've fatalities. Been, I, I've been spared the tragedy that so many angel families have to have to go through. Number one, that the person runs and they're never caught and and they they still have no justice. Number two, you've got a trial that drags on and on and on forever. You know, Steve Ronnebeck lost his son Grant in Mesa, Arizona, shot in the face by a repeated legal alien criminal at a convenience store over a pack of cigarettes. And it's four and a half years later, and there's still no trial. And now he's been deemed intellectually disabled. Um, they do anything and everything for these illegal alien criminals. Yes, I know Trump. Right. Because I've been around him and I've talked to him. I've had private briefings with him. I know what's in his heart. Is he a perfect man? Nobody is. So I don't get into, well, you know, but I know what's in his heart. He wants what's best for this country. Mm -hmm. He loves this country. I love this country too. And because of what it afforded me, the opportunity. When we got over that ugly period of slavery, all right, staying on on the fabric of the soul of this country that will never go away. However, at some point, and this is where I I had an epiphany, um, Candace. I just decided to forgive America for the past sin of slavery. You know why? Because the God that I pray to every day teaches me to forgive. The God that I pray to every day extends forgiveness. And if he's going to do that for me, the least I can do is do that to somebody else. And so I I didn't forget. And I say never forget slavery. But for me, it was time to forgive. And you know what? It was very liberating. Right. When people say, well, how'd you become this? It was was just, you know, I just realized I had to get into the mainstream if I was going to reach my potential. You can't do it on the, you know, with these fringe groups and Black Lives Matter and and so on and so forth. You better get in the mainstream. Right. And that means you're going to have to mix it up with white folks. Right. So I never had this animosity, never, even before that epiphany. But I say this publicly. I say I forgave and I moved on and I said it's been liberating. You know, what's funny is that you say you forgave it. I never felt that I needed to forgive it. I felt in, in every way that I needed to honor the history that our, our ancestors went through. And I just can't think, and I, I speak about my grandfather all the time. He didn't grow up on a sharecropping farm in the segregated South and work his entire life to give me this opportunity so I could go shrieking in the streets, screaming, right, about about the injustices of a life. I live in a lap of luxury compared yeah. to my grandfather. I have every opportunity. So I just, I couldn't be such a coward as to not go out in life and try to do even more than the ancestors before me and the, and the people before him, right? So I do it out of honor for my grandfather because he never complained. He never called anybody racist. He got up every single day and he worked. He still does it today. He doesn't have to. He's retired, but he can't not work because it's in his DNA. So my motivation has always just been, this is the time for us to be great, right? This is, there is nothing, there's literally nothing holding us back. And yet if you speak today to black Americans, and I tell you, I do this in every room when I'm on college campuses, I say, who in this room believes that America is a more racist country today than it was 60 years ago? And I, I say, I just want to know what planet I'm in right now. So just, I'm just going to ask planet that basic question. Delusional. 
<laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> for so many years, I've heard people talk about urban America, but they wouldn't talk about the realities in many of the places of urban black America. And this president was talking about it. He wasn't just talking about it to gain points at black audience. He was talking about it in white audiences. And I and people got upset about that. I said, no, no, that's what you need to right. do. That's that's the courage. That's to talk talk about my community anywhere you go everywhere you go. Right. And I said, this is somebody I can get behind because I believe he's not beholden to any party structure. He's not beholden to any special interest. He's going to say what he believes and mean what he says. And I can get behind somebody like that. And I have been proud to stand with him and support him publicly and privately because I think he is doing an amazing thing for the country, but more specifically for uh, the black community. I really do believe that he, he is a rare moment, a, a rare window of opportunity for the for black America to wake up and, and to realize that we have not been a part of this American dream because we've been lied to and used and abused and sold this concept that there's somehow virtue in victimization. Like all you have to do is figure out where you can plug into the victim complex. And where, what does that yield? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Yeah. What, what does it yield to be a Black Lives Matter member? Shouting in the streets, screaming after after a death—absolutely nothing. Actually, if it earns you anything, it's uh, perhaps a chance to be arrested, and then you have it on your record for the rest of your life, right? And and yet, this is what our community has been sold as opportunity, right? And he's somehow reversing it by saying, "Hey, Black America, here are the stats. What do you have to lose?" The most important turn of the century question for Black America: What do you have to lose? And the answer, of course, was absolutely nothing. People have to understand that, that we're, we live in a different world now, but don't think because you follow me or that you follow Charlie that this has by any means been easy. There have been moments where I've sat him down and he thought that his whole life was over and was like, if th like, this is, they're just trying to kill me and destroy me. And I'm like, you get your, get your head out of the sand. Like we fight, we go yes. on. And there have been yes. moments that I've called you and said yes. like, this is it. It's over. Like, I can't do this anymore. And he's been like, you get your ass up out of bed and you keep going. And it's so, so important for you guys to understand that. Yes. Um, the, the next day, it always does get better, well, guys. It and, gets and here's, better. Here's the other thing is giving up should never be an option. And also surround yourself with people like Candace that whatever you're doing that can relate and that when you say when you say something that um, they're going to tell you, you know, the truth and they're going to be honest, um, but they'll also have your back. And I understand this might sound um, cliche, but it's so hard to find that. Right. It's so hard to find that kind of loyalty that, um, you know, the, the kind of the old expression is – you know, when you're in a foxhole, you want you want someone who <laughs> is not going to tell you that there's no bullets being fired. You want just to say where the bullets are coming from. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right? exactly you right. Know? Yeah. You don't want someone in the foxhole with you being like, well, <laughs> want to get a hot dog, right. like yeah. <laughs> maybe a burger or a smoothie. You want to say, no, no, no. There's a machine gun nest right. over there. There's mortar shells coming from there. Right. Well, here's what we're going to do to be able to do Here's a plan of action to get out of this. Exactly. Right. And, and, and um, that's the type of friend that you want. And you definitely don't want one that's going to run for the hills behind right. you. Yeah. And you're We've alone. had those. Run. We've had those. Yes. We definitely know who our allies are. Totally. And PragerU is one of them. Amen. Thank you guys for watching the latest episode of The Candace Owens Show. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. As many of you guys already know, PragerU is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation today. I would really appreciate your support.